0: Hey, welcome to today's War Room Moments. My name is Jason Miller, your podcast host. And today I have my good veteran friend, Scott, on today. Welcome to the show, Scott. Hey, thanks, Jason. Glad to be here. Awesome. Well, hey, the first thing I like to do is really let you introduce yourself because I'm horrible at it. So introduce yourself and tell people what your superpower is. Because you got Superman in the back there ripping the flag out. So. <laughs> yeah, that, that was intentional or aspirational,
1: one of the two, right? So <laughs> yeah, <there you> go. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, I I, uh, I run CFO for Vets, Scott Chesson. I run CFO for Vets, which is really uh, a small business, uh, CFO consulting services designed to help uh, entrepreneurs and small businesses between 2 and 20 million uh, really to kind of grow revenues, expand profits and enhance value. So I, I really, my superpower is really just helping a business completely understand what's going on inside the business. There are, a lot of times you get to a business and I'll am i be the first CFO that they've ever had or senior finance person. And they often have kind of, I'll call them urban myths about what's going on with the business or folklore in, t- in terms of what they think is happening but it's not necessarily what's happening. So I like to dig in and kind of go, okay, this is really what's happening with the business. Here are your key performance indicators for your industry. Here's how you stack up against your competitors. And then here's what's going on with the profits or the pieces of your business. This piece of, this service is very successful. This product over here is draining cash and resources out of your business. So that's what I'm really good at is digging in and helping them understand their business, and then go from kind of looking backwards. I call it retroactive scorekeeping. I'm keeping score about what happened last year, last month, and going strategic looking. Let's plan to scale and be profitable. Let's let's build a successful financial plan going forward, and not fly by the seat of our
0: pants. So that's what I help businesses do. Yeah yeah and, and i know you do a lot of work with vets and and that's like one of your primary focuses and i think that's how you and i got connected to begin with was the veteran connection um through i believe michael site right yeah. that's right that's yeah. right michael yeah. is a fellow uh, a
1: fellow academy grad navy like myself mm-hmm. we got connected exactly through the through the veteran connection and obviously i am a. Son of a veteran. Well, son of two veterans. It's very unusual. My mother was actually a veteran as well and a military spouse. I'm a veteran. My brother is a veteran. So, And I I know lots of veterans within my uh, DNA, within my uncles, aunts, everything else. So I really started this business as a mission to help veteran owned it's military spouse owned businesses, but all small businesses. I work with any small business where it's a good fit for for them. And for me, but my passion is obviously giving back to that community for sure to the veteran military spouse community.
0: Yeah. And that's a one hell of a great mission to be on, you know, and you know, I we have a quarterly vet give back program right here in Boulder that we do for veteran startups and, and all those things. And it's important. I mean, all businesses are important. I'm not saying they're not, but but it's like if we can give that veteran community that little extra jump, that's a that's an awful good thing, right? For the sacrifice, right? So it's a wonderful
1: yeah. thing. It is. And, and the other thing I like, I just pass on, Hey, when I was, I got, I got out of the military. I went to graduate school, went right to work. I didn't know what I was doing in terms of being, cause I, I was straight from the Academy, you know, you commission and, and you go to work in a business world and it's like a foreign country. I mean, it really, yeah. it, it took me six or seven years to kind of figure out, okay, you're in these big businesses and you need to go, work in a small business and have a greater impact to get to better exercise your leadership muscles, your financial skills, you know, you just need to have a greater impact because you're not having as great of an impact as you did when you were a military officer. And so once I figured that out, but I will say I was, I was, uh, it took me a little while to kind of figure it out. So I always like to say, I think that's part of it too, is helping people who are making the transition, help them think, here are the things you want to think about. To make the transition to help yourself and your skills, although not the same, are directly translatable to success in business. The discipline, the hard work, the mission. So that, that's the other piece of it I think that uh, is, is very valuable and, and worth doing. And I enjoy every minute of that, giving back in that way as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it kind of brings us to our discussion topic and that's you're in that. You're in the money world, right? So you're in the yeah. the the world of handling money. What what's the trends that you've seen? You know, I mean inflation's out the roof. All these things are just compiling and compiling and compiling. And what what trends are you seeing with the people you're working with? Businesses, cause and effects and all these different things. I'm really curious to uh get your take on that. Well, like you said inflation is is just off the charts and it, and it kind of came out of nowhere.
1: We've had almost no inflation for years and years and years, mm-hmm. probably 12, 13 years. And so now all of a sudden it's out of control because obviously supply, you know, everybody's heard the supply chain disruptions, but what that translates in, into is higher cost to of goods for anybody providing a service or a product, right? It's harder to get the things that you may have easily gotten before. So that means there's, you know, is the supply-demand equation. So it drives up the cost. So then you have to kind of revisit your own pricing structure and how can you be more efficient? Can you charge more? Can you pass some of that along? It presents a lot of pricing predicaments because and you have to you have to know that. And then is the information from as as early or as recent as last year? Is that still? You know, is that still viable or is inflation taking it and kind of throwing that out and say, I've got to deal with real time. I've got to be more real time than looking at six months ago to kind of try to figure out what my cost of goods are going to be and how do I appropriately price for it. But the other side of that, I think, too, that I've seen is that a lot of businesses because of COVID and everything else for two years, they would give breaks on their pricing to their clients. Because of that. And now they're going, well, we have to reinstate these pieces that we may not have charged for uh, for a couple of years. So that helps offset it. But that's really, like you said, the cost of goods. It also, there's a hiring, you know, it's difficult to find talent. So that means the cost of acquiring and hiring people is more expensive as well. So that's the other thing. Your profit margins are going to be affected by that, they're going to be affected by inflation in a couple of different ways. And when you have a labor shortage, a talented labor shortage in a lot of cases, then you're going to pay more money to hire people. And then, um, you you know, so those two things kind of go together. The other thing is if you're borrowing, the cost of borrowing is going up because interest rates similar to inflation over the last 12, 13 years. It's been pretty flat. It's been next to nothing, interest rates. I mean, they're historically low forever. And now I think in 2022, we could clearly see they're edging up. The Fed says they're going to raise the rates. What does that mean? What that means is that a big cost of borrowing is going to go up for businesses and for consumers. So I'm seeing that as well. If you're if you're borrowing money you at the line of credit, whatever it is, it's going to cost you more than I did a year ago and probably a lot more than I did two years ago by the end of this year.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting too because what are we at about 7.8 or something inflation rate now, something like that. Um yeah it's 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 right in there somewhere and god what what is it gonna do to small business if we hit 10 right i mean if we hit i mean i don't know what all that was back in the depression but i mean we have to be right up there right i think <laughs> aren't we <laughs> well here's the here's the most recent uh iteration
1: of that and i was in i was in a, a the academy in the early '80s, the interest rates were 18 percent for part of that time in the early '80s, and the when the Reagan era, and that you know, it was just crazy. Or you know, when you're a student, it doesn't really affect you that much. But it's again, I think it's just the cost of goods. Everybody's going to have to be scrambling. They're going to have to be. You know, I always tell businesses too. Do zero-based budgeting, small businesses. When you get to what that means is just start from scratch when you build a budget. You may even have to start from scratch and doing a forecast, which I recommend reforecast every quarter, with some of your some of your uh, cost of goods. You may have to say, okay, can I get it from a different source? Can I substitute something? Is it what ways can I can I cut costs without impacting the level of service? And the uh, of, and the of that I'm providing. What can I do that's not going to impact me on the front lines when I'm dealing with clients or selling products or e-commerce? So I think it's just it's it's scary, but hopefully you know again it's, it's just something you go okay. I'm going to have to deal with it. That means that I'm also going to have to look at how I price my services and products more frequently to see to keep up with it because you know we all know if. Uh, you can see it in the gasoline pump, right? The cost of mm-hmm. gasoline goes up. They don't. They don't hesitate to pass that along to the consumer, right? It happens. A smaller business mm-hmm. we not in that kind of semi-monopoly oligopoly type world, but I, I. still think you have to really take a close look at your pricing, and then of course you've got to you've got to revisit your cost structure a little more frequently just to make sure that you're not you know you're not getting all, all your profits on running away with inflation.
0: Yeah. Well, and here's another interesting, you know, whole piece of this. So you have the capital side, the money side, but then you got the human capital side of it. Right. So it's like, how do you, I'll just use the military as an example. They gave a two, I think it was 2.7, 2.7% raise in January. But I mean, I mean, on the human capital side you get a 2.7% raise but inflation 7.8 <laughs> how do you how do you balance that out well the answer is, is it's pretty damn hard to do it but but now you start looking at companies inside companies and they've got a staff of 100 people now how can you stay competitive cuz you're going to price yourself out of the market on the human capital side of it that's the whole growth and scale model, right? Growth is the people and scale is the money. So it's like that's a, it's it was hard enough before, <laughs> right? And now you add all this extra complexity in, well, now Jill can't afford groceries and she's asking for a raise. So is Bob, Jan, Tom, everybody else. And it's like you can only push the price points up so high uh, of your product. And now, guess what? Now you got to start letting people go. So, it's it's a scary place to be, right? It's a it's a scary
1: place to be, and you're in a labor market where you're generally not. You're it is a an employee's market. It's not an employer's yeah. market. On top yeah. of that, so that means on right. top of everything else, it costs you more. The cost of acquisition is greater, and so you 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 know you are going to take if it continues like this, you can take a dip in your profits. It depends on the business and the industry too and and uh, and the in the various figures. It's not it's not hundred percent, but you're gonna have an impact on it. And then you, you kind of look at it. So what does that mean if inflation's going up? Well, we know every year health cost of healthcare goes up. Doesn't matter. And we are in a small business, you know, with old high claims, 36% increase, 36% increase. It's just not sustainable. So you have to adjust. you're dealing with that and it's the same thing you kind of have to adjust and that's the hardest thing with the human capital side is once you have put something out and it implemented it it is a benefit or it's a it's a plan some kind of benefit plan then it is you know it's hard to take it away you could say oh we can take it away at any time but the reality is you take it away it's they've lost something And that has a negative impact on human capital morale and everything else. I can't tell you how many times I've seen that happen where you get to a point you cannot live within the uh, system that you set up or the the benefits that you set up, the incentive plans that you set up, you can't live within those anymore and you take them away. It it causes problems. It really does on the Mm -hmm.
0: human capital side for sure. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. It's... uh... It, well, I mean, I I'll, always we always have to try to think glass half full, right? So it's like, yeah, this this too shall pass, right? But it's like, what's what's left in the wake of it all? That that really is that's the the question because it isn't the WalMarts and the Targets and and all those companies. It's the small business that's the backbone of America, right? Not so, and, all these big companies. <laughs> yeah, so
1: that's Who's who's hiring? Who's creating jobs? It's small businesses. Right. So mm-hmm. I think again, if you know, with small, like you said, this two shall pass. And I'm a glass half full guy too, all all the way. I just feel like it's going. You know, you just so maybe what you have to do in addition to that, something you should be doing anyway, is looking for alternative revenue streams. What else? Mm-hmm. I have to be very innovative. And I think we all have to be innovative anyway nowadays because somebody's out there trying to disrupt. i just give an example of what happened to me yesterday. Yesterday, I needed a notary for a document. I, don't know, I changed some legal aspect of my business, like the address or something. I had an online notary. I had an experience with an online notary where I never, I didn't have to call somebody to come notarize a document. We did it all virtually. I've never seen that before. And mm-hmm. so, you can see, you, I just thought to myself, wow, somebody was very innovative and smart in creating this business that nobody, you know, probably through the pandemic they created it, where you can do a virtual, you can get your documents uh, notarized virtually. I've never seen that before, but it impressed me, and I thought to myself, see. Everything can be disrupted. (laughs) I mean, everybody. (laughs) Nothing. There's nothing that is you know cannot be disrupted. So I'll. But so all that being said, and not to be negative, but just hey, let's let's keep innovating. Let's adjacent revenue pass. Let's be smart about it. Let's think about something that nobody else is doing. That's right within our you know our sweet spot. That's right there. That's a nice. Maybe it's a nice adjacent piece of. Revenue stream or something else, but I also think you always have to be innovating and thinking about that because you never know when somebody's going to take your notary business and virtualize the damn thing. Which again, it was just amazing, and it was you know it was a good experience. The whole thing was easy, so I was yeah. just it's just a good example that I happened to experience myself yesterday. So
0: yeah, right. Well, you know what? That's you. You go back in time and you look at the what we created in the industrial revolution, right. And all the big machinery and all this stuff. Right. And now it's like, that's all been compounded down to a 14 inch screen. <laughs> <Right>? Exactly. <laughs> so it's pretty amazing what a little innovation will do. Right. You know, it's like, I, I was telling somebody earlier today on one of the other shows, you know, I I'm not the most tech savvy guy. I mean, but like I have a daughter that's three and a son that's five and they're that generation is going to be way smarter than us. Not because they're not not necessarily because they're, they're more intelligent. They're more plugged in. So they have information just it's all right there at their fingertips. And she's three in hell. She knows how to use my iPhone better than I do. Right, <laughs> that's just like it's it's insane right so Your it's product? like oh, all those things right they just compound and that's that drives everything though it drives finance it drives all these things and you know it uh it, it, it's it's really pretty shocking actually what these kids are doing today <laughs> <laughs> I have a 23 and a 25 year old, my 23
1: year old, I watch him play games, you know, gaming and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. I, go, I don't know how you do, I, I kind of look at him like, I don't even know how you know what you're doing. So, and, and that's, that's like six steps beyond pong or whatever it was, you know, right. that was, was around when I was there. Yeah. You know, Jason, there's a good story. Uh, I saw Fred Hayes, one of the Apollo 13 astronauts speak several years ago, many years ago, probably over 20 years ago now. And he was talking about the computer and the, the RAM, the size of it that went to, they went to the moon with, right? Well, those guys didn't go to the moon, but the ones that went to the moon, they went around the moon and came back. Hmm. So, but five megs, that was it. He said it was a five oh. megabyte computer that we went to the moon with in 1969. So think about that and think about today where we have ter- gigabytes, terabytes, and on and on. And we went to the moon with that technology. And just it's it's just a ast- it was astounding him saying that. And I heard him say that over tw- about 20 years ago, probably 25 years ago. And I just thought to myself, and now you look at where we are now. But it was just amazing to think of the fact yeah. that we got there got there and back with that kind of uh, computing capability.
0: Yeah. yeah, a ter a terabyte's like nothing, you know? Right? yeah <laughs> My computer is a ter- has a terabyte of storage on it and two days ago it said your disk is about full. You need-. <laughs> and I was like, really? holy crap but uh, but it's just it's we consume information differently now. so it's uh, it's just a lot different world for sure. but well that that kind of leads me to it is a different world, right? And I think part of our job is to support the younger business owners that are coming up, because as we spoke before the show, you know, our generation didn't do the best job of that. And, you know, we have a chance to do a better job without requiring a check, right, involved in it all the time. And so if you could share one of the probably dozens of bucketfuls of struggles that you've been through because um, we all have, but what's a struggle that you would go back and tell your, you know, previous self, <laughs> hey, this is coming, and, uh, you know, this is how you're going to get around it. What, what would that be for you that you could share with a young CEO? Yeah, it's just, yeah I mean, again, I think everybody –
1: Again, disruption technology. I I think I've I've seen it in a couple of different businesses where it kind of, it depends if you have a, if you have, shall we say, a seasoned employee base, And and I've worked with several where the employee base is very seasoned, and then someone's going to come along and they are going to disrupt the living heck out of you because they're going to see that you have to keep innovating with your technology, whether you want to or not. And that's yeah. the case. Sometimes people don't want to. And, but the thing is somebody's going to be eating your lunch because they're going to take something that maybe took eight hours and, and they're going to turn it. It's going to take 30 minutes. Many years ago, when of my second CFO job, I stepped in there. They were 20 years privately owned, bought by publicly traded company, a big marketing advertising conglomerate. I went in there and they, uh, it took 60 minutes to issue a contract it took 60 minutes to issue one contract and they issued about 4000 contracts per year agreements as part of the business mm-hmm. so within a year we knocked it down from 60 to 1 minute so it's just kind of again i i look at it and there was a whole lot of other innovation within that that took it but it was just kind of you everybody has to be as operationally efficient as possible in business. And so you're going to run into that. You're going to think I've got a business that is relatively bulletproof in terms of technological disruption. And I'm here to tell you that is not the case. Nobody's business is immune to that. It may be immune for a while, but at some point, somebody's going to come along and they're going to disrupt your business. So you always want to, I always just stay forward-looking, stay open, and 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 the other thing is I would say don't hire just people from within your industry. Hire people with different ways of thinking, or people that are just like you. Really hire diverse people with different ideas, because that helps fuel innovation in the business. But I, I think the one of the biggest things that I've seen over and over again is don't want to don't want to evolve technologically. And then at some point somebody just eats your lunch, and you know you could be out of business if that doesn't if that doesn't come to fruition. Um, and, and the other you know the other thing that I would say let would say is probably a more tangible example than that. If you have a piece of your business that is not performing as a small business owner, and you've got four let's say you've got four lines of business or four products. And you, and one is not performing, and is dragging the rest of it down. It's because it's draining resources, time, and money. Don't wait. Don't don't stick with it because I'm. I can make it work. I can. We can keep trying this. It's okay to say, "Hey, that doesn't work. That's not working." Because I've seen this. That when many years ago, when I was a controller, we had six lines of business, and one of them was not performing. It was killing us. Uh, between resources, cash, and everything else. And then finally, after two years, we shut it down. We just shut it down two years earlier. And it really hurt the business because every part of the business was af- affected. It wasn't like you've got six different standalone businesses. You've got six under this umbrella. It's a little bit of a travel holding company, right? But mm-hmm. every... And and you just look at the time and the energy and the resources, let alone the cash. And he kept throwing resources at it, ideas at it. And at some point, it's okay to say, look, my idea didn't work. It's okay. Yeah. It's okay to say it didn't work. You know what? Let's redeploy those resources to somewhere where it's going to work. Something else that's going to work better. It's okay if things don't work perfectly. Ideas, concepts, services, products. It's okay to shut them down and move on and say, okay, that's sunk cost and energy, let's not devote any more time to. I think that's the hardest thing because people get so invested in it. They don't want to let it go. And I go, let
0: it go. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I mean, we've all got like married to our idea and we're like, oh my God, this is going to knock it out of the park. That's usually the one that fails anyway. It's the one that you it's the one that you go, that shit ain't gonna work. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it works like a time, right? <laughs> That's exactly. the one that works great. Right. So I don't know. I think you sometimes you just got to, you know, no, no end to chamber around and put a bullet in it. Right. <laughs> you do.
1: And, and it's sure. hard. It's hard. Cause like you said, you're emotionally tied to this idea. And, and I think a lot of people with steel, you know, you've got a tremendous will. If you're a veteran, you think I can make this work. Or you know, or somebody like that. If like, I can do, I can do it. And you're used to saying, well, I'll figure out a way to make it work. But at some point, you got to go, hey, let's let's put a, you know, let's put an end to this miserable thing. It doesn't work, and it actually hurts the entire business because it's not. It's if you're small, it's not limited to the the product. It's very unlikely. It's because it's not going to be standalone. So it's part of the whole. It's a part of the whole mix. And if it, it hurts the business and I saw that and I go, golly, I was pulling my hair out for two years going, we should shut this down. We should shut this down. And we didn't. And you know, it just, it's, it's a hard one, but it's a, it is a worthwhile to kind of go, let's pull the plug on this thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, Hey, thanks for that. And uh, just to kind of transition on here, the, the, the last question I like to really ask is, you know, if there was one person that you could have had here today with us, dead or alive, whatever the case may be, mentor, friend, family member, whatever, that you always had that question you never got to ask, who would it be and what question would you ask? You know, I, I'm, I like
1: uh, I like history, like American history in particular, and I, I would I would just love to ask Abraham Lincoln, just kind of Lincoln, I'd love to ask him, how did you pick your generals? You pick the head of the Union Army over and over again, and uh, I mean, I know you kept changing them out because you because they weren't doing the job and they didn't have enough yeah. grit to go fight. But how you know, I would ask, but that's I'd really love to know, I'd really love to hear his, his thinking because obviously, he was quite a, a quite brilliant man. But uh, I've always wanted to ask that question because you read it over and over, and I go, okay, all right, who's the next guy? You had to go through like six till you finally got the grant. So mm-hmm. I, I would have loved to have had him on there just to ask that question, because, you know, that's the that's the thing in business, too, is selecting your leaders, selecting your trusted advisors mm-hmm. that can make or break your business. And obviously that could that uh, it probably may have extended that the Civil War. It's easy to say in hindsight, all I can do is what I've read and the history on the pages you've lived it. So. But right. uh, we're Monday morning quarterbacking something that happened 160 <laughs> years ago. Still, I would have wanted to, I would love to hear what he had to say. Cause I'm sure good reasons for all of it. So anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, and I, I bet you a lot of it would his train of thought would surprise you a bit. Probably.
1: It probably yeah. would because I think again, his is like, uh, I, I always think that people, Sometimes they take they take people at face value, whether they have a strong southern accent or whether this was this tall gentleman from Illinois the and they underestimated the heck out of him. And I think we have a tendency to do that and maybe to say, well, this is what they're thinking, but like you said, people like that, they tend to be nonlinear thinkers. They tend to be they tend to think on a different plane than the rest of us. I, I believe. And uh, so that's why I would just want to
0: pick its brain just because I'd love to hear the answer more than anything else. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. Right. Well, well, Hey Scott, how do people get a hold of you? What's uh, how would you want people to reach out to you from here and uh, work with your genius? Uh, well, it, for one, um,
1: they can reach me at s 84 at CFO That's my email. Uh, and that's a that CFO four, the four is an actual four, the number four. So that's chess84 at cfo That's a good way to do it. That's probably the easiest way. My website is CFO with a four vets.com. And and there's a way you can uh, engage me there as well, or you can uh, you can set up a calendar league with me on there and consult and talk. And I'm happy just to talk. You know, there's uh, to anybody who just wants to discuss. CFO, what, what the business is about and, you know, no, no hurry, no must. We're not, no, we would just
0: like to understand what your difficulties are, but that's probably the easiest way to reach. More. Yeah. Great. Scott, always a pleasure. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking time out of your valuable day um, to uh, be here on this podcast. And I hope they caught those little nuggets because there was quite a few in there. It's whether or not they caught them or not. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: I hope so. It's my pleasure, Jason. uh, Love being part of this, being part of SAB. And uh, thanks for having me on today. It's a great pleasure.
0: Awesome. Well, hey, thanks for tuning in to today's episode of War Room Moment. As always, dream it, believe it, and achieve it. My name is Jason Miller, your podcast host, signing off. Thanks for listening to War Room Moments with your host, Jason Miller. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates and we'll see you on the next episode.